0: Welcome to the CIDRAP Antimicrobial Stewardship Project. I'm Dr. Marnie Peterson, and I'm the Outreach Coordinator for the project, which was created by the Center for Infectious Disease Research and Policy at the University of Minnesota in 2016. Today I have the pleasure to be speaking with Philip Howard, the current president of the British Society for Antimicrobial Chemotherapy, otherwise known as BSAC. We will be discussing the concept of the antibiotic footprint, Today, as a communication tool for the public to reduce antibiotic consumption. This concept was recently described in an international collaborative manuscript, of which Philip Howard was an author, and this manuscript was published in the Journal of Antimicrobial Chemotherapy. Before we begin, I would just like to provide our listeners with a brief background of our guests. Philip is currently a consultant antimicrobial pharmacist at the Leeds Teaching Hospitals, holds an honorary professor position at University of Leeds. He has been actively involved in antimicrobial stewardship and represented the profession at a national, European, and global level for the past 10 years. And he's published numerous papers on this topic, including the one we will be discussing today. So thank you, Philip, for joining me today, and I'd like to welcome you to the Antimicrobial Stewardship Podcast.
1: Thank you very much. Glad to be here.
0: Let's just start at the beginning. Um, I'd like you to just give our listeners a bit of background on how you and your co-authors arrived at this concept of the antibiotic footprint.
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, So let me try and put this in context, why the antibiotic footprint is so important. Uh, First of all, uh, antibiotic use drives resistance, um, and antibiotic resistance is certainly growing across the world. We know there's very few new antibiotics coming, so we really need to try and focus on looking after the ones we've got. There's been quite a bit in the literature recently um, that's shown that antibiotic use in humans has increased by 65% over 15 years and expected to double by 2030. Uh, and then on the animal side, we expect to see a two thirds increase in antibiotic consumption uh, also by sort of 2030. And there's been of, uh, some um, systemic reviews that have actually looked at the impact of the use of antibiotics in the animal side, and it's shown that actually. If you decrease antibiotic antibiotic sorry if you decrease um antibiotic consumption in animals, uh, you can actually reduce antimicrobial resistance to humans by about twenty four percent and because of this, we think it's really important to um, really look at antibiotic consumption on a one health type of basis, so that's really the sort of the background from where we are so to put it really simply, um what is an antibiotic footprint? well if you add up the amount of antibiotics that you give to humans, the amount of antibiotics that you give to your, your pets, and then the amount of antibiotics we actually use in food production animals, and then divide them by the entire population of your country, then your antibiotic footprint would actually come out um, in terms of grams per of antibiotic per inhabitant per year. Uh, it's a very sort of simple uh, sort of concept. And what we wanted to do was really try and have um, some ideas of sort of uh, coming up with something that people could easily understand. And the carbon footprint concept is uh, something that people probably have got a grasp on. People know that you need energy to live, but using too much energy is actually driving climate change. And so the same is probably true for antibiotics. We know that antibiotics are lifesavers. overuse in humans and animals drives resistance and makes them sort of ineffective. So we want people to really think about how their use of antibiotics, whether directly or indirectly, has an impact on the future effectiveness um, of sort of antibiotics. So when we were thinking about this, one of the bits we were thinking about is, Carbon emissions are actually a simple measure to help us reduce energy use in automobiles, heating, or other household products, and even in in agriculture. And then if we had a simple measure of antibiotic um, uh, use, so the antibiotic footprint, you could actually get people to think about how they use antibiotics um, on their own, and actually how they could start to think about sort of reducing uh, antibiotic consumption. So that's really the, the background to it all. And
0: the 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 simple metrics that you're using are either total consumption by a country or a region in in the form of tons in these different sectors of human, animal, uh, pet type health, or you could you could narrow it down as to total grams of consumption per per individual.
1: Yep, that's correct. So we wanted to be able to come up with something that looked at the the consumption in different sectors, so the consumption uh, on the human side and where where available, break it down into the community, Uh, and then what you actually get in sort of hospital, what you use in agriculture, uh, and then uh, what you use um, as totality and then divide it by the sort of population. By doing that, it was – I mean, a very top-level way of um, allowing people to focus on how they sort of compared, say, at a country level to, say, one of their similar sort of neighbors um, um, within a particular uh, sector, of whether it's health, human, um, or sort of animal, um, or how it actually compared when you look down to the individual um, sort of level.
0: So I want to just, for the listeners that haven't read the manuscript yet – Um, Just give them an idea of your collaborators on this manuscript. It was really a a global effort here, and um, just some of the the different countries they represent, the individuals that were on this team with you.
1: Yeah, so the the team involved really are a truly global um, sort of team from um, all corners um, of of the world. A number of people who were already thinking independently about some sort of concept for a One Health approach to um, quantifying antibiotic sort of consumption. Um, certainly within BSAC, so BSAC are a global antibiotic charity that aims to improve the responsible use of antibiotics. Um, and we discussed at one of our council meetings um, some ideas um, how we could explore using the term antibiotic footprint. When we were doing um, a lot of our uh, literature um, our sort of reading around sort of the subject, uh, we also came across somebody else who was doing some work, um, a chap from Thailand called uh, Derek Lama Theruso, um Sakal, And he'd actually taken the concept a little bit further and had come up with um, a website with Datron already called the antibioticfootprint.net. Um, and we'd agreed to meet sort of Derek next time he was over in the UK and took the concept further. At the same time, um, we'd actually um, looked at some of the work that uh, others, such as uh, Ramanan Laksamiryan uh, from the uh, Center for Disease Dynamics uh, Economics and Policy, and he already has some uh, as an excellent sort of website uh, called Resistance Map, which looks at antibiotic consumption, uh, resistance, and um, the consumptions in humans as well as sort of um, animal sort of work and he's co-authored many papers on antibiotic consumption in animals and there's some of our other um, uh, contributors to this we we wanted to make sure that we got people who were veterinarians and they and experts in the use of antibiotics sort of in animals um, so we'd worked with uh, David Barrett uh, from the UK uh, and then Peter Conynon from Australia, who's done uh, a lot of work around sort of antibiotics and resistance uh, and sort of food, sort of out there. Um, And then we picked up other people who've been doing lots of work um, with some of the work that United Nations has been doing um, around antimicrobial resistance, such as Mark Mendelson, and then others such as Lee Xiang Su from um, Singapore. And so we've really got quite a global group sort of out here um, who really all had the same sort of ideas but wanted to actually put something out there as a discussion piece really to try and get the world to start thinking about, is there a single measure we can start to look at um, at a very top level before we start sort of dividing antibiotic consumption into the human and sort of the, the animal side? And so I was really pleased that we managed all to get together and come up with this uh, sort of concept paper um, with, published in the Journal of Antimicrobial Chemotherapy.
0: It, yeah, and what's interesting is you bring this group together, and then what comes out of it is you decide that this is to become a tool to help you communicate to the actually not only policymakers, but really focus on engaging and activating the public about about the magnitude of the use of antibiotics in these different sectors. So just talking a little bit about how you that became your focus, you know, uh, helping consumers to be educated and have the information to put them in that position to influence.
1: Yeah, so one of the things that we did, uh, first of all, in the group within the sort of the BSAC group, was when we were looking at this, um, we've managed to find some sort of data from a One Health report that came from the UK back in 2015. And it worked out that um, for every person in the UK, they consumed 14 grams um, of antibiotic per person per year. And this basically came from seven grams were actually given to us by our family doctors or general practitioners. We got a gram of antibiotics uh, from being in hospital And then we got six grams of antibiotic from the food that we actually eat. Mm. And I was actually staggered when I actually learned this sort of information because I was unaware, even as a healthcare professional interested in antimicrobial resistance, um, actually the split of where all the antibiotics came from. Um, And it really got us sort of thinking about, actually, if we don't know um, what the split of some of this working actually in – antimicrobial steward, antimicrobial resistance, then others probably have no idea as well, just the sort of the general sort of population. So what we wanted to really think about is how could we actually give information to the public um, to really try and sort of create a behavior change and influence the ways they were uh, using antibiotics. And what we want to do is really get them to think about their own sort of fo- their own sort of footprint and start to ask sort of questions that were quite sort of pertinent. So if they went to see um, their family doctor with an infection, there's something about actually getting them partly to challenges, do I really need antibiotics sort of on there? Or, or if they're going to buy sort of food, is actually being aware of the food producers. So if it was um, say a supermarket or a fast food um, uh, outlet, asking questions of what is the company's policy about the responsible use of antibiotics um, in food production? Um, Do they have an active um, sort of role in making sure there's good animal welfare because animals get sick just like humans do? Um, But also, um, do they routinely use uh, antibiotics um, as almost prophylaxis against infections um, when they're breeding animals for sort of food. So we really wanted to get people to start just asking questions about their own sort of health, but also about some of the food they were eating.
0: And, and that just leads into, um, and before we get into some of the uses of of this antibiotic footprint, which for the listeners, it is available on the Internet, as as Philip mentioned, at antibioticfootprint.net and is continuing to be updated, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. So before we talk about the uses, let's just talk about what you found um, when you went to further create this, um, where the data were arrived from, um, maybe some of the um, issues you might have had or working
1: through. Yeah, so uh, getting a hold of data has has been a bit of a challenge um, in that – even though the WHO has been asking for data um, on antibiotic consumption around the world in sort of humans, um, and also the uh, OIE, who, who are the World organization uh, for animal health, the amount of data that's actually been submitted uh, is actually uh, quite poor, um, If you look at the latest report that came out from WHO at the end of last year on um, surveillance of antimicrobial consumption, then European countries tend to be doing fairly well. Eighty-five percent of them actually submit sort of data on there. Um, um, But then if you look at, say, the Americas, so North and South America um, combined, only 17 percent of the countries actually submit um, any sort of data um, out there for human consumption. Um, and then you get down to places like Africa, who we expect probably to have more challenges in getting hold of antibiotic consumption. Um, again, only 9%. And then there was no data submitted from Southeast sort of Asia on there. So where there isn't any data that's going officially through to WHO um, or OIE on consumption, then you will start to look at either continental-level um, sort of data And so Europe, through the European Center for Disease uh, Control, has lots of good human data. um, And then also um, the European surveillance of veterinary antimicrobial consumption is sort of quite good. Um, But then you're almost just going around um, um, other areas trying to get hold of data. So you're looking at individual country level where the government or the, the government agencies actually produce formal reports on antimicrobial consumption, um, in humans or in animals, and so we 'll pick those up and so one of the things that does stick out if people look at sort of the website is that we actually have um, antibiotic consumption data um, in agriculture within the USA which has come from the uh, the fda uh, but we don't have any data for humans um, on the sort of the website because there's nothing formally submitted to um w h o So getting hold of data is a challenge, and so we're always on the lookout for, um, through uh, various sort of literature searches, um, and anything that comes on the Internet, any of the latest sort of publications that come out from individual sort of countries on their antimicrobial consumption.
0: So it's almost as if creating awareness from the consumers, they're going to want more data, and then maybe it will work backwards in that they will be able to influence um policies or other agencies to then provide more of that data so we can build out more of this resource
1: yeah no i, I think that's very true so certainly if i was living in a country where there was uh, wasn't any data out there um i would think i would be almost asking questions on why certainly if i lived in a high income country why isn't my data being submitted mm-hmm. um Is it because there are problems in actually collecting the data? But then others might um, be asking the questions is, is it because individual countries want to hide something because they're not performing well and and get to a state of actually improving their uh, consumption uh, before they submit? I'm sure that's not the case. Uh, um, It's probably more of some of the logistics of getting accurate sort of data sort of on there. Um, But certainly if I was a consumer, I'd, I'd be certainly asking questions
0: absolutely uh also in the in the manuscript, you describe how the tool and as you collect more data could be used to help set uh and support global target setting for reducing antibiotic consumption in the future and you've you've got some examples there um do you do you have some ideas around that or have had some conversations with your colleagues
1: yeah I, interestingly um When you when you look at um, what's happening globally at the moment, so WHO is being asked in every country to pull together uh, a national action plan for antimicrobial resistance, and um, every year every country around the world reports what they're doing in terms of um, AMR, um, in terms of animals and sort of humans sort of on there, and there is this big debate about um, pulling together um, targets for reduction. Um, And so one of the things that I think I would like almost like to highlight out here is I think we have to almost think around the different um, types of countries and their potential sort of income. We know that certainly uh, the lower middle and uh, the lower income countries of the world really have some challenges over um, access um, to antibiotics and also their – there are big problems with counterfeit um, sort of antibiotics and vaccines around the world. And I think in some ways they probably need to be thought of in a different way um, to some of the high income countries, who I think certainly can um, set um, indicators for trying to reduce their antibiotics, both in the sort of the human and sort of um, animal um, sort of sectors. Um, One of the examples I would sort of um, give, certainly so I live in the UK, is that um, we, um, when we were thinking about our own national action plan, we were looking around to say, who are the best performing sort of countries, uh, say, within Europe, and actually saying, how do we have to change our antibiotic usage uh, within uh, the UK to be more like usage within the Netherlands or some of the Scandinavian countries? And interestingly, in our uh, new national action plan for the uh, UK for the next five years, which we published this year, we've set targets to reduce um, antibiotic consumption in in animals by 25% uh, and in humans by 15% sort of in there. Uh, And then then specific targets are saying to us is if we look at the, the WHO, they've got an essential medicines list for antibiotics, they've tried to categorize um, antibiotics into three different types. So one is what they call access antibiotics, which are normally first or second line uh, choices for uh, common infections. Uh, watch antibiotics where they're more likely to drive resistance, um, but can be used uh, where there are resistance. So an example might be a ciprofloxacin for cystitis. And then reserve antibiotics, which is antibiotics we we want to use as last line, so it might be things like um, some of the polymyxins and things like that. And so we've we've set targets in the UK to reduce those by 10% over the next sort of five years. And it would be nice in some ways for other countries to do something sort of similar, so looking at their peers, depending whether they are a high-income, um, high-middle-income or one of the um, LMIC countries, to set those levels but almost to have a top level um, indicator in sort of um, in terms of sort of grams uh, per inhabitant sort of per year, and to say as we work together, can we set this target for how we want to um, sort of end up sort of reducing? And, it, and, it, and if I was to give you an example, so within the UK we, we've probably been working quite separately um, on sort of reduction. But one of the things that we did see was a reduction um, from a footprint of um, 14.3 grams in 2013 to 11.7 grams um, in 2017. And the interesting thing on there, that even though overall we have had a 19% reduction in our antibiotics, was the real sort of mixture of where the reductions came from, um, because we saw a 35% reduction in our food animal, um, but at the same time only a 6% reduction um, in our sort of human side of things. And so by almost putting these things together as an antibiotic footprint, you can see overall how we're making a reduction on there, even if there's a slight sort of imbalance at the, at the rate we sort of get there. So hopefully I would like to see this be used sort of around the world as people start to think about the reduction targets, to say what's our overall reduction we're trying to aim for, and then as sector-specific from the human and the animal side under that.
0: And by tracking all of these in, in parallel, you can you can watch how, where the reduction is occurring and the kind of the di- dynamic changes that are that are happening. So I guess to close out our our web our web our, excuse me our podcast today. Um, just any other closing comments, or any um, things that you see on the future horizon for the antibiotic footprint?
1: Yeah, I think some of the things that we would like to see is um, these to be real drivers to help um, sort of national sort of um, health leaders, uh, food production leaders, to start thinking a bit more widely about how we'd reduce antibiotic consumption. So how do we drive the vaccination agenda in both sort of humans and animals? How do we drive the agenda around better hygiene? So that's hand hygiene, food hygiene, dental hygiene, um, sort of around there. How do we start using, getting better use of diagnostic tests um, in there to avoid inappropriate um, antibiotic use or even clinical scoring systems? And ideally, I'd like to see... um, Almost, if we can end up doing it, is coming up with calculators to help us look at what the potential impact could be, a bit like we've seen on the the carbon sort of footprints out there. I think the bits of data that are missing out there is um, the impact of uh, spraying antifungals around over our crops to stop them going moldy, Mm -hmm. because we're seeing big increases in resistance um, in uh, azole antibiotics. Uh, and then also the impact of um, um, from waste products, so hospital sewerage going in there, they're big users of antibiotic resistance there, and also from the farms. Um, and also, one of the bits that is missing is the impact of pharmaceutical production of antibiotics um, in parts of the world like China and India to make sure that we're not uh, putting the effluent into the sort of the waterworks that sort are of, out there. So I think it, as we get better data, we can certainly make this sort of much larger yeah. uh, and then hopefully have something a bit like people when they're coming to buy their, uh, their next car or things like that, really to have some easy-to-use calculators at hand or questions to sort of ask about their own sort of lifestyle choices uh, but also uh, uh, some of their other sort of health-related things. So hopefully this will grow. Uh, but it needs people to start submitting their data routinely and being a lot more open in what we do.
0: I think that's a perfect way to close, you know, growing the tool with more data but bringing it back to putting it into the hands of the consumer so they can make those better choices and have that activism. With that, I'll just close, and thank you, Philip, so much for your conversation with us today on the Lintin Microbial Stewardship podcast. And um, if you'd like, for the listeners, we have our podcast posted at our website, SIDRAP, C I D R A P dot U M N dot Edu forward slash ASP. And also check out, please go to the antibiotic dot net so you can visually see this data displayed. It will um be very impactful to you. Thank you so much, Philip. Very much. Bye bye. Bye bye.